he does have a twin, and apparently he's pretty famous in like Disney World. Okay. Um, but the way that I know him is, do you remember the Adam Sandler film Big Daddy? Yes, he's the kid from Big Daddy. He's I, I my Big wife, Daddy. my wife looked all this stuff up uh, <laughs> while I was. So really, they are the kid from Big Daddy. The That's correct. They are the kid from Big Daddy. And this they, is just the the twin brother's not in this one though, right? This is no, all him. It's all. Unless they pulled a switcheroo on us. Uh, but they also are Zach and Cody of The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Yeah, which apparently is a big deal show that I have literally never seen. Yeah, so I remember this now. My wife told me all this stuff after after we watched it. Um, she looked it up. She's older than me. Uh, it's not like she lived this Disney crap. Anyway, he's funny. You know, like, you know what this is? This is an inoffensive reasonably enjoyable but not particularly noteworthy romantic comedy and i'm fine with these existing in fact i wouldn't mind some more of them sometimes i'm just in the mood to watch three you know it's it's fine in the content mine if if i could turn to camera two and talk to lana condor's agent and just say you you gotta she's gotta start doing some different stuff man yeah you know like um, i i don't want to see her in another one of these for no. a little and I think, in fact, it it would be it would be it's too late to say, Lana, you don't want to get typecast. Now we're saying, you got to break the cycle somehow. Yeah, because <laughs> you're exactly. already typecast, exactly. and <laughs> and like I know it's hard, and the movie industry is a bear, particularly for non-whites, uh, particularly once they decide you are a particular thing. But if Lana Condor wants to do anything besides play the, uh, you know, slightly overwhelmed but imminently charming lead of romantic comedies, she's got to start right now. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that she has enough of a fan base that that seems like that ought to be doable for her. And I think she has enough talent that it seems like that ought to be doable for her. So Yeah, I mean, uh, you never know till you see someone try, but she seems talented from what we've seen her in, she's definitely uh, got screen presence, right? I mean, like, that it's more or less what her career has been built on to this point. Like, she is a magnetic character, and she's one of those actors who can sort of be cast... You can count on the fact that people will like her, right? You can just yeah. trust... That she's going to be liked. Now, um, you don't want that to be the only thing people are looking at you as. And exactly, and, like and, you, you so, more yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I would also say that just doing this, it's clearly diminishing returns. Like each one of these movies we watched her in has been a little bit worse than the one before it. Yeah, I would say this is about the level of like to all the boys I love three, which is not. Um, it's not. It's not a great compliment. You know? No, no, it isn't. <laughs> but again, like well made, well acted, reasonably entertaining, like solid two and a half stars. I, I would watch it again if I hadn't already seen it. If that makes Ooh, sense. Yeah, I, I don't. I, it's hard for me to imagine coming back and watching this again. But like, I don't. I don't have anything. No, no. Uh, I, let me be clear. I'm not going to watch this film for a second time. But I'm talking about like on the random night at midnight scrolling through the like catalog of mediocre Netflix rom-coms this fits right in with like 
a thing I would enjoy from midnight to 2 a.m. and then pass out and not really think about it again. You know what I'm saying? Like that, it's yeah. a kind of movie that I do enjoy watching every now and then. Um, but it's just not a special one. It's it's like a thousand other uh, perfectly decent rom-coms. Did you think at all about where Zach Braff's career is headed? Because it, it seems like it's he's in an interesting place. Uh, well, I don't think that's know. a bad role for him. But I think mostly no, he... I don't either. I think mostly these days he's directing and writing. Well, he's in uh, – there's a Cheaper by the Dozen. Uh, uh-huh. I think it's might be a series. It's he's some sort of remake. He's definitely doing a Disney thing. There's no yeah. question about that. But, I mean, he's around, and I think more than anything he's writing and directing. Yeah. But, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> You're right. Maybe I'm not noticing the things he's writing and directing. By the way, Piano in the Dark was uh, – 1988 song from Brenda Russell peaked at number six on the Billboard Hot 100 and uh, earned two Grammy nominations, including one for Song of the Year. Yeah, that's our um, that that is our generational gap right there. <laughs> Brenda Russell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Tesh covered it once. There you go. Yeah. Speaking of uh, falling asleep at two in the morning, uh, okay. I have to confess the next thing that we watched, uh, I did fall asleep during, so I'd never completed it. Um, I because it was so terrible that I just I didn't have the strength to go back. I wish I could have gotten some rest during the bubble because those <laughs> are two hours I will never ever get back. And um, I did feel a sense of responsibility to the show. And just to be clear, I released you of that responsibility because I wouldn't want to subject anyone to further endure something that they totally understood how decidedly awful it was from the beginning um it really is from the beginning it was like the first 10 minutes you knew like oh this is just gonna be really unfunny i don't know what happened like if i tell you judd apatow is gonna direct a who's who of funny people like david duchovny funny leslie mann funny i have to say is it iris what's what's the apatow kid's name i think that one is iris it's iris and maude but i don't always remember which one is iris um (laughs) maude is is in euphoria iris i thought was maybe the best part at least in terms of like she got her character and was doing a thing and doing it well. Sure, yeah, um, tallest dwarf, though, you know what I mean? What's that? Tallest dwarf sort of situation, though, you know what exactly, I mean? Exactly, exactly, because I I feel like I've seen David Duchovny phone it in, but I have never seen him phone it in this hard. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, everybody feels like they're phoning it in just about to me. It, it I it almost feels like this movie called The Bubble about how awful it is for actors <clears throat> to shoot a movie in a bubble was shot in a bubble because everyone just feels exasperated and downtrodden by the experience. It, 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 there's like the premise makes sense. And had possibility, I feel like. And it just, this was, at at its best, this is nothing. 
at its yeah. worst, it's literally offensively bad. And I don't mean it offended me uh, in terms of like it's not offensive content. There's no offensive just, content whatsoever. The, uh, just, something offensive would be it's, welcome. It's just a wasting this, of your time. It, that's yes. all it is. <laughs> the offensive part. <laughs> and honestly. And I'll go a step further. I don't understand the value. Like, if I was Netflix, okay, whatever I spent to make this film, I would have just chalked it up as a loss. I would not have put this on my platform. I do sort of wonder, like, who is the guy that's like, let's put this out. But I also, like, did you see, uh, I mean, not obviously you saw it because we talked about the pod. I'm trying to remember. Did you like Don't Look Up? No, we did not talk about it on the pod. And I did? did not watch it. Oh, you never saw it. I just watched no. it on my – that's weird. But my understanding <laughs> is that that at least had a point. It did. Well, look, I liked Don't Look Up. Uh, I, I'm in the pro Don't Look Up camp, but I feel like the criticism that people had of that movie of like, oh, they just wanted to put to put a bunch of famous people in a movie and uh, right. it's, it's all flimsy. That's what this actually is. Yeah, like that's what this is. Yeah. No, I mean that's definitely what this is. It is a bunch of famous people with a famously funny director – and it is just not funny or good or interesting or anything. Yeah. And, and again, I, I just like. Funny, by the way, I think. What did you say? I thought Don't Look Up was quite funny. So Yeah. I, I, I mean, most of the people I talked to, like the, the criticism of it was just that it was a little preachy. pedantic and preachy. Yeah. Um, and that's why I didn't watch it. Uh, but I guess I like. More than anything, I'm deeply disappointed and upset and confused at Judd Apatow. Like, I don't understand how this happens. I truly don't. I'm with you on that. I don't know that I, I don't know that I would say it, that I'm quite like, like, I'm definitely disappointed. I'm not mad, though. No, like, no, it's I, not, I'll watch another Judd Apatow movie after oh, yeah. this. You know no, what I mean? I, yeah, I, when I say upset, I, I, it's not like I'm going to hold a grudge. It's just yeah. like I'm, I am dismayed and confused, you know? Yeah. I like, don't, I mostly, even his less than excellent films to me have something about them, right? Yeah. That, and they're funny at the very least. Um, this was, Who, who's I, your favorite yeah. White Sox hitter right now? Oh, bro. What are you, the, <laughs> opening day i feel like i would just throw that out there what what made you i'm interested oh. to see where this is going and i i'm not ready to commit but i i'm gonna go with tim anderson okay so i feel like this is like tim anderson comes up and there's second and third in your down a run in the ninth inning and he flails at three pitches and strikes out like that's kind of what this movie is where it's like Ooh, that was ugly. But you're gonna the next time he comes up to bat, you're still gonna be excited. That was that was where I'm going with it. I almost I think it's actually worse than that. So I'm gonna say that situation, except instead of just flailing it at strike at three strikes, he somehow gets to a three two count and then strikes out on a pitch that hits him. <laughs> and he hits himself with the nut in the nuts with the bat on right. the <laughs> like it's just that's the thing that's what that that's why I think I'm so confused and like off put by this is like I just can't understand how anyone looked at it and made it available to the public like if I'm Judd Apatow with my career and like good name on the line I'm like you know what S -s swing and a miss fellas uh 
We gain nothing by putting this out into the world. No one has to buy tickets to it. It's on Netflix anyway, and it's only going to make people think worse of the platform. So let's scrap it. Like, it's just bad. Yeah, yeah. And it makes me wonder about, like, someone like that losing their fastball. Not that I'm saying he necessarily has, but this is so off base and just kind of tone deaf. And again, not in an offensive way, just in a, like, what did you think was funny about this? You know? Yeah, that's 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 the thing about it, right? It's like, yeah, what did you did you guys watch this back? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right, it's bad. Well, it's we can bad. move on from there. I think we've uh, said I, this movie is bad in as many ways as we can. Yeah, I want to I want to stay with this concept of confusion because that is a nice segue to me to Moon Knight. Um, yeah, I, I watched two of these and uh-huh. I have no idea what the fuck is going on. None. Um, there's a there's a scarab. I, I, everybody wants it. That, that's about all I can tell you. <laughs> well, I I think you're being, um, I don't know the right word, so I'm going to use modest because I'm sure there are other things you could tell us. Uh, there's the fact that this guy is two people and a superhero all in one body. Um, there's Oscar Isaac working are, hard. Are we sure? Are we sure it's just two people? By the way, like I definitely, I definitely, there are definitely two people and a superhero, but I feel like there may be more coming. It's possible. We don't know. Uh, I, I come into this as clueless as you. So I think we know the same things. Uh, one of the two people inside Oscar Isaac has a wife. Um, Ethan, Ethan Hawke used to be the superhero, but went a little nuts and now is on the classic uh, evildoer in the name of the greater good, we're just going to minority report kill all the people before they do the crimes. Um, so I think we understand what the sort of Yeah, evil... I didn't see. I didn't get that. Thank you for that. <laughs> well, did you fall asleep? He said it. Nope. nope. Watched all of it. Watched all of both of them. Twice. Really? Um... You didn't, yeah. and you didn't catch Ethan Hawke talking about how he is is serving an Egyptian god who gets rid of evil before the evil acts are committed. He, I I caught him talking about how he's serving something. Yeah, I didn't really understand that he was he was precogging that situation. No. Well, that, it's that, that's what he's doing with the scales, right? The, he's got the scales. You know? Oh yes, yeah. that makes sense. Now that you say it, <laughs> that makes sense. I gotta uh, say, yeah. I feel like um, I don't know if you were second screening or you just was. I was not. No, nope. spaced nope. out. Like I don't think these things are that deep. <laughs> no, I don't I think they're right. buried that that significantly. I I, I really I, I feel like I need to talk about this Oscar Isaac performance a little bit. Um, he is working hard. He is working hard, and it ain't all working. The like when you have a character who's sort of defined by the accent, you have to you kind of have to nail the accent, and uh, he does not. It it comes, it goes. It's weird. I, like it's all weird, and I the the British version of the character is weird. I don't. Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know. So I, I I love Oscar Isaac and things, and I feel like this is just a. Gonzo weird ass performance that I do not understand. I don't understand the choices made here. Well, okay, so that's where I I'm kind of with you. Like, but 
I'm also not sure because I'm just as clueless as you. Like, I don't know where we're going, right? So, like you said, maybe there are more people inside this guy, or maybe we find out that, like, the British thing is an elaborate put-on in some way, and that's why it's it it comes off as such a strange character. There are a lot of unanswered questions through two episodes of this show, and I think that is interesting because Moon Knight is not something that Disney or Marvel can conceivably expect large parts of its audience to be intimately familiar with, right? Like, it's not Spider-Man, it's not Batman, it's not, you know, Iron Man. Um, We don't know this guy. And they, I, I think, even for me, and I clearly picked up more than you did, they, they they do not never mind go out of their way they barely bother to explain stuff that's in the way um and I, that has to be a deliberate choice on some level so i'm kind of intrigued to see what we learn about this character now like if if we get to the end of the series and i still don't understand how this guy like when did his personality split and how and why and how does one of them like, live as an international mercenary while the other is a gift shop employee in London. Like, there are a lot of things that don't make sense yet. But I don't think that's because you and I are stupid or because... It might be because I'm stupid. but well, um, Maybe, but I don't think they failed. I don't think they just accidentally forgot to explain that stuff. Like, that's a choice. So I'm interested to see where it goes. I agree. I agree. And obviously it seems like the, the bed and the chains and stuff have something to do with that duality. Yeah, and did you notice there was a bunch of sand around his bed in the second episode at one point when he woke up? Yeah. Like, there's weird stuff happening here that is blatantly not explained. And I think maybe to some degree we are intended to be experiencing some of the confusion that the the central character is experiencing. I'm curious to see. I mean, you know, obviously they don't had you know necessarily release any of these stats but i'm wondering if people are watching this on the level of some of the other marvel television shows it certainly got a, got a marketing push yes uh, but i feel like it's a thing i've heard a lot of people talking about yet necessarily i agree but i also you know now that i think about it it's not like i heard a lot of people talking about wandavision either necessarily um, oh i did one yeah wandavision had some buzz in, in my world anyway well, but I also think like those things were all are all all of the tv shows that have come out to this point are party to an MCU we already are very familiar with, right? Yeah. And like, look, there's got to be some diminishing returns, right? Like WandaVision was like the second or third series, right? You know what I mean? Um, yes, and and uh, yeah, there may be diminishing returns, but whether they're diminishing or not, something has to change and expand and, and develop, and that's what this is, and I, I guess we'll see where it goes. But I'm not out on it by any means. I'm, I'm intrigued. Because I... Uh, yeah, I might I, be out. I hear you. Well, but you're, yeah, and you're our non-comic guy, and that's fine. But I hear what you're saying about Oscar Isaac. I'm also kind of enjoying it. It's a madcap, loony performance through two episodes. But I'm intrigued enough to want to know where it goes. There's a and, lot of him running around being confused, which I yes. also am. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and I get the, the special effects are really good. I feel like I should great. mention that. The, the, the effects are really well done. Really, actually, spectacular. I, I would agree, and the 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 invisible fight scene is enjoyable. There are some really funny moments in this show. I really liked it. 
Um, but it is weird and it is confusing. And I will say, like, if if two more episodes pass without being a little less frantic and confusing, I might join you in the I've had enough uh, department. Yeah, and it's look, look, I'm not. I don't see myself coming back to this. Not so much because I'm like, oh, this is bad, and I can't finish it. It's just there's a lot of stuff on right now. You know what yes, I mean? It's a busy like, time, I, man. It's a busy yeah. time. And there's a lot of stuff, right, that, you know, because it's not in our homework. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still I still try to keep up with Severance. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, uh, there's a lot of shows happening. Are and, you, uh, you know, yeah. while we're here, are you caught up on Severance? I am caught up on Severance. Yeah. Okay, so let's just quickly. Severance's first season is over. Um, Can you give me, like, a two-sentence? It's uh, not over. Oh, yeah, it is, buddy. Well, then maybe I'm not caught up unless – was there a new episode that like dropped last night or something? Yeah, every Thursday night. Oh, all right. So then I'm lying. I've seen every one but the last one then apparently. <laughs> ah, well then we should not talk about it. Um, okay, fair enough. We'll save that. Episode for next. nine of Severance is the season finale, and it did drop last night. Gotcha. Okay. Then no, I'm not caught up. Uh, but I did. I did enjoy the waffle party. You did enjoy the what? The waffle party. Oh yes, the waffle. I don't know. In my head, the waffle party was going to be more of a group affair, but. Um... You know, what do I know about Severance? But, you know, De- De- Devin really shined in the waffle party. <laughs> oh, he he partied up with those waffles. <laughs> like, he had other shit to do, but that did not stop him from enjoying his waffle party. Right. Well, you got to get you got to finish the waffles to get to the to get to the to the key part of the thing there. Right. Yeah, I guess so. There's that moment when he, like, finishes that waffle and takes that long gulp of milk. Yep. <laughs> that was really well done. The uh, you know, well, look, well, obviously, we'll talk more about the show at some point. But the I really bet. Uh, kudos to Ben Stiller. You know what I mean? Like I, the direction of the show, the concept of the show, I think has been really interesting. The look of the show is really interesting. And- what a truly fascinating concept. I mean, that's that's more than anything where I have landed is what just a really interesting like it feels like something that a few people started talking about over a large amount of marijuana just like sitting around and someone was like yo what if you could separate your consciousness so like when you went to work and the other you live the rest of your life. So, like, your whole life you never really worked. And then someone would be like, well, yeah, man, but then you'd create a consciousness that was, like, only ever at work. Just like a slave, bro. And then they developed this show. (laughs) Um, Um, Because that, just that concept on its own really is enough. There are so many different implications and considerations that surround it, right? Like, I, so I don't know if that was Ben Stiller specifically who came up with that concept, but it really is a home run. Well, and look, there's that concept, but I think the specific world that they oh. built with this company is also like super duper interesting. Don't get me wrong, I, it's it's all incredibly well done, um, and and. And not just well done, but I think that to to your point, as you were just saying, like really precisely considered, really 
exactly a specific thing that they they seem th- the world building here is really impressive yeah. um and all the acting is spectacular like i i mean look torturo and walken are doing a thing that's just phenomenal adam scott is as good as he's ever been and i you know i don't know brit lauer that yeah, I mean, well. I think it's her debut, kind of, really. So I feel like she, she – it's not, though. She's been in some things. Just I, – I don't uh, – she was in – Yeah, it's not her debut. She's been in some things. <laughs> yeah. Just not really – not really uh, – not, not notable things, necessarily. You know what I mean? Um, so. I guess. She was in a she – was, she was on a CBS uh, crime procedural as a regular – uh, uh, appearing person, she she was she did in high four episodes of high maintenance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's always sunny, you know, an episode. But like, it's the first thing we've seen her really, really work in. You know what I mean? And she's great. She's, uh, you know, uh, as good as anybody in this. Yes, Patricia Kent's really doing some interesting work. Yeah, too, so. it's it's all really great. And and of course, the the dude that we were just talking about, uh, whose name I always forget. But uh, Zach Cherry is his name. The guy who plays Dylan. This is – he plays a pretty specific thing every time we see him, I feel like. Like he's a specific character actor. He's got got a lot of condor problem. It's a different problem, but he's got a problem. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But this is like an interesting twist – on that thing he always does. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I feel like this is the the ultimate distillation of that thing he always does. That makes sense. Maybe, um, maybe, but there's like a I don't know. There's something there's something interesting about it. I I I, I really like this show and uh, the finale has me excited for more. Sweet. Well, I'm excited to see the finale then. Um, let's talk about Top Chef. Yes. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I think it, we may be at a point where we need to reevaluate contenders. Like, I feel like this is the first time I have a, a maybe a different top three. Uh, I think they – I think the um... – the show did it for us, right? Yeah. I mean, the top three in the elimination challenge. Look, if you win two elimination challenges in a row, you're obviously among the top contenders. So Evelyn, boom. And then Jackson and Buddha are two guys that we had up there anyway. Uh, and if we're going to round out the four, I think it's still DeMar who Agreed. had another really solid week and, and also uh, finished in the top three, at least, in the uh, quick fire. Um, and look, shout out Nick and Ashley. What they did in the quick fire was spectacular, but Ashley continues to flop in the elimination challenges. And if she hadn't had uh, immunity, I think she'd be out of here. I, I agree with that. I, it's somewhere I realized that I think that 
uh, Evelyn is the chef that I thought maybe Ashley would be at the beginning of the season. I think we both made that mistake. And look, yeah. I I will also say Evelyn, it's not lucky because this is Top Chef Houston and she's a lady chef. So like these last two eliminations naturally fit what she does. And she was able to deeply, deeply become inspired by the the two you know inspirations that were essentially assigned to her at random um yeah i mean she had a real advantage but we've talked about that in past episodes you know like i would say she did more with her advantage than nick did in the brisket challenge you know what i mean much more and and i think what's noteworthy about what she's done these last two weeks is that sure you know Houston barbecue and uh, Selena are gifts to her as inspirations because they're right in her wheelhouse. But she didn't just sit in her wheelhouse. She made elevated, impressive. I mean, the presentation, I think this is sort of, uh, I mean, it can't happen every week, but this is arguably the, the kind of best thing that could ever happen to a chef on Top Chef, which is, you go all out on presentation because it's part of what you're doing. And everyone is like, this is beautiful. And then the lady says, I'm visually impaired, so the presentation is pretty meaningless to me, but this tasted incredible. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, that's as good as it gets. Um, and I think the way Evelyn has elevated straightforward concepts is what really has set her apart these last two weeks is that it's not just that she was inspired and that she cooked something really tasty out of that inspiration. It's that her vision for those dishes was, was elevated and specific and she hit it out of the park. Yeah. You could say the same about Buddha in some ways, right? Like the man elevated a chicken breast. (laughs) Well, that's what he, he, he though, like for whatever reason, and maybe this is just us being sexist or something, but for whatever reason that felt more expected to me because you could see from the first episode that Buddha was the guy who was going to, you know, level up everything every week somehow. Like he's just, he's that dude. Yeah. I'm just so impressed with this group on the whole. And the quality of the food that they're putting out. Did you notice? And their general quality is people too, right? Like there's not there's Agreed. no really assholes. Like the guys that you thought might be assholes, you know, like like Luke is kind of a guy that I was like, uh, we might have to watch out for this guy. Like he's not a jerk no. at all. You no. know? They all seem really nice. It makes me wonder if it's part of the effect of uh younger people aging into the top chef demographic. Like are people I feel like younger people than us might just be nicer. Um but I, too, have been surprised by that. And and to the point of the quality as chefs, did you notice they couldn't pick – they didn't even pick a bottom uh, dish for the quick fire? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It was a, there was no need to, really, right? They, they yeah. liked them all. <laughs> they liked them all. And, and look, I, I think, you know, this is something we talk about. Like, very rarely – is anything anyone makes on this show actually like bad, bad, but they find things wrong with it so they can have a reality show, right? Like that's yeah. the game here. So the fact that they really just had nothing bad to say about anyone's dish in a pretty weird, salty, sweet, 
pair-up challenge, I mean, that really speaks to the ability of these chefs. Yeah. And I, look, I mean, Monique went home basically for a plating error, really. That's really what happened, essentially, right? Like, she just didn't get enough of her stuff on the plate. Um, uh, see, okay. I, I think we need to talk about this. And by the way, I uh, I think today I'm going to wander over to a bakery coffee shop down the street from me that uh, apparently is a purveyor of Monique's um, patissiere. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a Monique oh. fan. I'm in favor of Monique. I hope to eat her food in a matter of hours. However, I don't think it's fair to let her off by calling it a plating error because I think it was an error in the very conception of the dish. And the fact that she got to the plating and only then had the thought, oh, no, what if these oysters are too big? And wait a second, I'm about to pour broth on top of fried oysters. They're going to get soggy. Like, girlfriend, you should have figured that out when you came up with the idea. If you're worried about your fried oysters getting soggy, don't put them in soup. And if you're worried about the oyster size, find the small – like, do something because – Well, but can't you – like, it's acceptable, right, to serve the soup at the table, right? Like, that's an accepted right. Top Chef practice, right? Like, she could have put the soup in – That's what – well, okay. Those little things and then poured them in when you when they put the – set the bowls down, right? Yes, but that never – what – there are a lot of ways she could have done this differently and, and been better. What she did, though, was not think about it until the last second. Yeah. Look so, at me. I'm backseat, backseat driving uh, a <laughs> clearly super skilled chef. Of course. That's what we do here. That, that, that's what our top chef analysis is. <laughs> I, like, I, I couldn't do any of the shit these, these incredible chefs are doing. Monique is fantastic. However... <laughs> She should have realized these issues ahead of time. And if she had, you're right. She could have probably made the same dish, not cut the oysters in half, which it took a while for someone to make the key point there. But, like, when you cut a fried oyster open, the juice comes out and it dries out. That's the last thing. Like, the whole point of a fried oyster is to have, like, a juicy thing. <laughs> um, yeah. But that, so th and that's that's also why I said that's a, it's a plating error. I, I get we, I get your point that the plating error is a result of maybe a uh, loose conception. Well, of, that's of the what, thing what, is you can't. But, I, 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 sure, that fundamentally, there, it's a. I guess it's a plating or like a plating technique error. But the fact that only in the last two minutes of the challenge you looked at your oysters and said, "Oh God, I think they're too big." Like she had, she just had a freak out in the final minutes and screwed a bunch of stuff up. Yep. In, and, yep. and I think in retrospect, if that broth was as tasty as she thought it would be, had she just dropped in the fried oysters, poured on the broth and given them a tasty soup with a slightly soggy fried oyster, but that still tasted good. That would have been less of a demerit. And Luke might've gone home. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But also, I, look, I, I think Luke's dish was another one that, like, yeah, I mean, and I get why he was there on the bottom. I think he probably deserved to be on the bottom. But that was just kind of like he, he just didn't quite have enough time to cure salmon. <laughs> this is what it seemed like to me, right? Like it was just no. A little, I think that's exactly what it is. But again, this is a little bland. Look, you know? that's that's. 
first of all, that's that's life on Top Chef. It's hard. Yeah. Um, you don't just have to do something decent. You got to do something awesome. Uh, and I think his two, although different than Monique's, which was more like you know within the concept, what some of the things she she could have prepared better for. His concept just was no good for the cook time they had. Yeah, and look, I think he was at a. a, a inspiration disadvantage relative to some others in the, in, in this in this one yeah I, but you know it, what i like shame on him then to be honest i mean look no one was gonna have the evelyn inspiration but like jackson figured it out you know yeah yeah look i'm not saying that i'm not saying that i'm not saying that as an excuse right like, yeah. like they're as we've said through the show People are going to wander into areas where they're more familiar or less familiar, and that's part of the show is you have to overcome this. I honestly admit, you know, I think maybe the show fainted me in this direction. I thought this was going to be DeMar's struggle episode a little bit. Not so much about the the inspiration of the women thing, but it really seemed like he was having a tough time with those tortillas. And, of uh, course, he went on it. So, <laughs> like, the tor- uh, uh, like, shout out DeMar, man. Yeah. No, he's... I, I he might be my favorite Top Chef contestant of all time. So I, I think I mentioned this last week. I was you know I was in Chicago last weekend. Yes, and uh, I had an opportunity to maybe get a table at Virtue, which is where he cooks, and I did. I wound up not going. Yeah, uh, I, as I remember, you couldn't get uh, you couldn't get anyone to go with you. No, no, I had a group of people. So the, you know that was one of those tables that required uh, requires a deposit. Right. You know, for your reservation, and I didn't know, you know, that would the that night was kind of the, hey, we're playing it by ear, uh-huh. so I was wasn't quite comfortable putting the deposit, and I wound up having we wound up having an amazing meal, and yet like like one of the best meals I've had maybe in the last year or so, and yet uh-huh. I'm still going like, oh man, I kind of wish I went to tomorrow's place. Well, look, you'll be back. <laughs> So, yes, I will be back, and I'll, I will get there eventually. Matter of fact, you know, I'm making a couple trips to Chicago in the next uh, six months. Maybe we can coordinate a meetup. Yeah, all right. I like that. Because yeah, I would put uh, a deposit in at Virtue right now. For... It's not even a steep deposit is the worst part. I think that's the hardest part. Like, it would have been, like, 40 bucks that I would have had to eat or whatever. So, Oh, bro. Uh, yeah. You should have done it. You should have done it. Done. Uh, I, I, yeah, he did not end up in the – in the final three in the elimination. But the fact that, like you said, they sort of deked us into, I mean, he was worried about his tortillas. So I don't know if it's a deke, right? Like he had them stick into the plastic and he, well, and it's what they chose. It's, you know, it's to me, it's a little bit the show because they, they don't have to show you that struggle, right? No, <laughs> but, but it's not like that struggle is made up, right? I mean, he asked for advice, and he got yeah. a little help, and in the end, he made a beautiful tortilla, uh, and and just it it re- you can really it feels like every week when they taste his food, it they just everyone is it makes everybody happy. Yeah, he just really- is one of those dudes that every time steps up, and they're like. Man, he did it again. Um, so even though yeah, he wasn't, a, there's a, a great combination of technique and uh, elegance. Yeah, and, and feeling. Soul. Right, yeah. that's the thing. Like this, but with the soul every time. Right, then that's, you know, it's weird. He's only won one challenge. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But like he's cooked he's cooked amazing every time. Also, shout out to Nick, who has uh uh been in the middle of every elimination challenge still. Every six, single one. Uh, six six weeks in. And you know what? So it, it is not the worst way to live. No, cer- certainly not in the early part of the competition. I don't know that he like I said, I, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago. I think I said I underestimated him a little bit, but I don't know that he has the gear where all of a sudden we're going to start seeing him in the top three, you know, a bunch of weeks in a row as the season goes on. But I, you know, he's very good. I, we're at the point where I think we're past the point now. Look, where anybody gets cut on this, it's going to feel like, oh man, sad. I'm sad, sad to see you go. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'll live with it next week when Luke gets eliminated. But otherwise, I agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll be sad to see Luke go. The, like it could be the, Ashley too. To be fair, they're both. It I, could, I, yeah, and yeah. the other but thing that, is, you could also win. You know what I that's mean? Right. Like, that's right. That's kind of where Ashley's at. You know what that's I mean? Right. Well, either of them, I think, like just the, both of them, I think, are kind of waiting on the the right challenge for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, I Ashley thought... did well in the in the quick fire, so like she's not that far away from it. But she even mentioned like. She's struggled on her own. She's done good in pairs and struggled on her own. Yeah. I, I, Luke and Monique had a little moment, I thought, in the elimination. Just like, like, respect and affection that really, yeah, that to me a little bit. Jay, like, made the whole room cry. I really oh, love that room full of women that just, like, ah. So, what a lovely episode. I, 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 I do want to say, um, shout out to Top Chef because this is not an accident for, choosing specifically in texas to put a room full of powerful important women together and not just put them together but make the whole show about them and also give them a vote all of that felt very deliberate to me and shout out top chef for although they're in texas giving a little bit of a middle finger to the backwards politics of that place yeah, well, and part of what made this woman heroes was a lot was overcoming how shitty Texas is. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> can't be. I, well, I don't know that Dan Richards would look at that that way, but that's how no. I feel. So. Uh, I agree, and and I don't know that Cheryl Swoops would look at it that way, but but I agree with you, and uh, like that, it was a super impressive table. Yeah, it was a very it was a very impressive table, and I, look, I people who are from Texas absolutely love Texas, so sorry, I'm not like here to be like. Uh, Texas, but Texas, Texas has things to love and hate, right? Like that's sort of what it and is. They, they had to, to the, yes, and I mean? to the degree that it's it was reasonable and possible. I think they talked about some of that stuff on the show, and and I thought that was cool. And also, look, I had never heard of Bessie Coleman. Pretty cool stuff, you know. Obviously, I know who uh, Babe Didrikson Zaharias is, and and I had sort of heard of Ann Richards, but like. Yeah, so that, that's that's another one where me being older than you, I'm, I'm old, enough, old enough to remember Ann Richards. So yeah, but, I am not, uh, but but shout out to to all those great women and uh, Barbara Jordan. Like I, that's it's cool to honor specifically powerful women in the context of this show in Texas. Yeah, and now now come to Atlanta, Top Chef. This is ridiculous. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that should just be your sign off every week. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I swear if i ever meet anyone on that show i'm going to say it like what is the deal you know what's okay the deal? but like is that how we're many other things are you gonna it. say first we're like we're 19 no that's gonna be the first one wow. i'm gonna be like 
I love this show. I love you guys. How have you not been to Atlanta? Okay, so the third thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I guess that's the third thing. Because <laughs> if you just walk straight up to Padma in the airport and we're like, girl, why have you not played Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> that I, Then I'm impressed. That you should be impressed. I look, I I feel like it's reasonable that I could meet a lot of these people on this show at some point in my life. You know what I mean? Uh, totally. But I I I don't. Padma would definitely be the hardest one to talk to. I think. No question. <laughs> no question. It. That, I mean, do you, do you know she was part of a Jeopardy question the other day? I did not know. Well, she was part of the answer technically. Um, the question was who is Salman Rushdie? Oh. All right, I, I can see that. Yeah, uh, she's—I mean, she's great though. I like. She actually doesn't seem. She seems very it's, approachable for someone who, of of uh, the intimidating beauty. But um, well, intimidating beauty and also like success and stature, right? Like it's yeah. not just that she's absurdly beautiful. It's also that she's incredibly accomplished and she is the host but also like the emotional center and rock of one of our favorite television shows this woman is spectacular yeah. the like the likelihood was I, I would probably just go all chris rock on on her and that's that right. or, sorry chris farley is what i meant to say that's that right you, you remember you remember this, this you did not mean you would let her slap you in the face you meant um yeah. although i might of course you would i might, I might lean into her slapping me in if the face, that's what it came to of course you would of course. <laughs> um, we just slapped the shit out of me. Yeah, exactly. And you'd be thrilled. Um, I would. <laughs> she is 51 years old and uh, doesn't look a day over 30 and uh, just does a phenomenal job on this show. And I thought was, you know, typically excellent anchoring a table full of equally powerful and impressive women. Yep. So next episode is the seventh of the season. Yeah. And it appears that there are 14 episodes in this season. Yeah. But I there's nine people left, right? So it can't be Restaurant Wars, no, right? It's going to be the next Restaurant Wars. So, right? you know, quick show production preview. We are taking next week off. And there was a moment during Top Chef when she was – when Padma said at the quick fire, you get double immunity – I was like, oh, no, is this a double elimination and we're going to jump to Restaurant Wars and we're not going to have a podcast the day after Restaurant Wars? But no, have no fear. I think it'll be the following week. Yes. Yeah, I think I think we're going to be good. Um, it'll be weird not talking about the show next week because um, it's been a fun season so far. It really has. It's It's been a lot of fun, and I think it's been really good. Really, really good. And And to your point earlier, I cannot remember a season that had – as nice people and as good cooking across the board. So shout out season 19 of Top Chef. Yeah. Yeah. The eliminations are going to get hard from here on out. Um, They really are. All right. uh, As, as uh, Matt just mentioned there, we will uh, not be um, uh, doing a show this week because I'm on vacation, Uh, but next week we'll be back. So we're going to do two weeks worth of homework here. Um, In addition to Top Chef, Better Call Saul is back. Frankly, that's not even it's, – it's hard to even call that homework. Like, you're going to watch Better Call Saul, right? Damn right. I might even give the last couple episodes, the last season, a spin on Netflix before we start. Yeah, it's not It's not a bad idea because it's been a minute. I just um, want to get back into it, you know, get a little doc yeah. review under my belt before we uh, get into the final season. 
Uh, yeah, I'm as excited for that as anything in a while. Uh, are you, you want to talk about Roar a little bit? This was uh, this is one of your suggestions. Uh, yeah, well, on the theme of uh, the Top Chef with powerful women, here comes the new Apple TV Plus television show, Roar. It is an anthology series based on short stories. Um, and it is sort of uh, created and produced by the women who created Glow, Liz Flayhive and Carly Mensch. And it's got a lot of women we love uh sort of uh, the what I, I what I'm reading right here it says uh this genre bending anthology series weaves together eight darkly comedic feminist fables uh that take unexpected approaches to subjects like gender roles autonomy and identity and among its stars are the great Merritt Weaver, Cynthia Erivo, Nicole Kidman, Allison Brie, Betty Gilpin, um Issa Rae uh, it's there's a lot to be excited about as far as I'm concerned, and the first episode is April 15th on Apple TV Plus. All right, an anti shout out to Netflix for not making more glow. Um, yeah, boo, <laughs> boo hiss. All right, uh, next up is the Netflix game show. Is it cake? Um, where stop you... it? I'm kidding. <laughs> is that a game show? I it is a game show. I think I think it's a game show. I'm probably going to watch an is it cake at some point. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, have- I anticipate at some point putting that on. But right now, my my wife is obsessed with Nailed It. So when we don't feel like watching something with our brains, we just put on Nailed It and giggle at people's disastrous attempts at making fancy cakes. Yeah, that sounds that sounds lovely. That it's sounds not lovely. bad. Nicole yeah. Byer is like, I I think she's really funny in general. But on this show, she's like the perfect level of funny, just like lightly funny but also nice to these – like, she just – she makes the show, truly. Because um, otherwise, it's just shitty bakers, which is only going to get you so far. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I recommend Nailed It for, like, a nice, relaxing, brainless time. I did watch an episode of uh, Rat in the Kitchen. Oh, boy. Uh, after after the NCAA tournament one night. Um, they got you, huh? Yeah, they did get me. Well, I, conceptually, I think it's an interesting show, but it did not uh, did not work so great in execution. I didn't think it was not all that interesting to. Um, I just feel like how at. is it? How is someone going to be sneakily sabotaging the food? It doesn't. They do it. They definitely do it. Like people do not know that their food has been sabotaged until like they're up there and tasting it for sure. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. So I don't know. I don't know how it happens, but it, it clearly happened. Um, <laughs> All right, what we're really actually going to watch for homework, sorry, <laughs> is Russian Doll, the new season of Russian Doll. That's um, a Netflix show we're actually going to watch. Yeah, I, it's one of the few, like, I feel like one of the few still left, you know, especially since the uh, last episodes of Ozark are about to drop pretty soon. Um, that, like, you know, from the era of, like, Netflix really caring about making good series television, you know what I mean? As opposed to just importing stuff or... I mean, uh, I'm... Yeah, the high impact movies that they've kind of been into lately. Uh huh. I'm, I'm fingers crossed that that that's more a lull than a than a uh, change of direction. But uh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it feels strategic to me at this point, to be honest. Um, all right, so we got Russian Doll, uh, Woke. Remember Woke? I do uh, remember Woke. I love Lamorne Morris, and uh, I, I I'm excited, actually. 
me too. I like that show, um, and I'm I'm glad it's back. So, uh, we'll check that out. And then uh, Tokyo Vice, uh, yeah, which uh, dropped last night on HBO Max. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't totally know what this is going to be. Um, I, 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 I kind of had enough of Ansel Elgort, but I'm hoping that there's something interesting and worthwhile here for us yeah i don't know something about the yakuza is interesting to me i'm, I'm kind of yeah. curious to see. and the fact that michael mann is directing this first episode of a show that with uh that has the name of a city and vice right <laughs> like yep yeah, okay cool here for it. yes that that probably is the main draw for me so and i don't have the same ansel Elgort issues that uh that i think you I'm not are like, you fatigue is that is that, is that kind I, of how you describe it yeah i just I I don't know I don't know how to say this in as least offensive way as possible. Are are we sure he acts? <laughs> I'm sure he acts. I don't know. He just I, I'm confident he acts, but I can't say that I'm sure he acts. If that helps. Like what's the character that you've seen him really become? Cuz to me like I think of Baby Driver, which is like a an empty vessel, or Tony from West Side Story, which was flat and uninteresting. Like, when has he been good? Well, I am a bad person to ask this question to because I have only seen him in Baby Driver, um, in which he is a bit of an empty vessel. I think that's fair to say, but I think that's also... To me, that's much about the way he was directed or the way the character was written as as his performance. I guess. Uh, and so, and I and I haven't seen and literally, I've not seen anything else he's been in. I haven't seen The Fault in Our Stars or Divergent or. Um, so I, I don't. Saw, I can't to comment. I saw Divergent, um, and he's again like he's just. He's kind of just a blank canvas, I think, um, and like usually actors who who sort of exist as a blank canvas like paint that canvas slightly differently in different roles and i just don't feel like i've ever seen him do anything other than be ansel elgort and fairly like like just a be a be a plain and boring person (laughs) i don't (laughs) don't know I'm not sure why i should be uh interested in or excited about that so i'm i'm yeah yeah, this is i think we may have hit on a little something here so i'm not Uh, mad at him i'm just uninterested in him i don't know it sounds like you might be a little mad at him well he he is the subject of a number of sexual assault allegations as well but it's really like as distasteful as i find that that's that's not what i'm talking about right now Right now, I'm just talking about a guy that I don't feel like does anything as an actor. Like, literally nothing. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I liked Baby Driver. That's all That's all. I, I really liked keep. Baby Driver at the time. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably not uh, something. I haven't seen to... it in a while, to be honest. So maybe it hasn't aged well. I don't know. Well, I, no, I, I just don't. I think it, it'd probably be harder to watch now with kevin spacey as a lead uh actor but yeah 
I really liked that movie. But I liked the stylish, you know, I liked I liked what Edgar Wright did. And I thought Ansel Elgort doing nothing was appropriate for that role. Right. So did I. So, uh, so I don't know. We'll see. This, it, it, I could also very much see his role in this being kind of him, also requiring him to do nothing of that. Well, sense. and look, maybe that's just what he'll do the rest of his career. I just don't know that. Like, that's a good-looking man who can stand there with a blank expression is uh, enough to qualify someone to be a huge film star, in my book. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um. I think that's it, right? There's there's a lot of great homework on the horizon. So I feel like I'm we just did a lot of analysis about things we haven't watched yet. But um, yeah, sure did. Yeah, don't worry; sure. it'll be two weeks before you have to hear us do that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna go watch it. Is a cake? I think. Just all right. To, uh, let me know if it's cake or not, will you? Okay, we'll do. Bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The lights out. Butter's getting hard, the eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor, have yourself a tremendous evening.